Hello, everyone. This is Franck Contrepoix, and welcome to What's New in Cloud FinOps. With us, as usual, we have the fantastic Stephen Old. Hello, Frank. Great to be here, as so, always. Good. So let's start immediately with the news. So this uh, this episode is going to be between the news of what happened in the la- in Cloud FinOps recently, and there's not much, so you'll see. And then <laughs> yeah. we are going to move immediately also with a summary that we've promised you for ages about reInvent. Yeah. We've gone for very different angles. I've gone for new cool things with funky names, and you've got for you've gone for stuff that actually matters. <laughs> yeah, but deep dive, so very few people would probably really care. So it's <laughs> going to be an interesting episode. Okay, so the first one is the first news is Amazon announced offshore wind deal, and that's that matters because as a company. We really want to move people to the cloud to reduce the overall consumption of electricity due to badly managed data centers. And while this is relevant compared to all the cloud vendors just telling you that they are offsetting uh, by paying, they are getting greener. This is a real initiative with Amazon sponsoring working with Shell to create wind farms and all the green energy. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, exactly. It's um, uh, a lot of people kind of pay to be seen as carbon neutral, but these guys are putting in a huge, huge wind farm that will go into Netherlands, but will be used to power most of the European operations. Um, so it's proper green. Right. So moving on, uh, it's been it's been hard this month to find updates that are obvious in terms of the. Um, the financial benefit, but Azure's AKS has automatic updates for the clusters, um, which although isn't going to save a huge amount cost-wise in terms of infrastructure, it is a pain in the bottom job that will no longer uh, be as painful. So it will actually reduce people time, some of those gray costs, and let people focus on working on the apps that live there rather than mm-hmm. as much level of management of the actual uh, clusters and infrastructure so um quite like that one big um kubernetes fan myself worked a lot of very very brilliant kubernetes uh, experts in in previous roles so always like to keep up to date with what's going on there good great uh so uh next one also is going to be on google and so they are effectively you can now what they call protect your spending with budget but it means that you now have a way to create some budgets. The interesting part is that if you set a budget for the month, you will get alerts about your budget on the forecast usage. So if blocking for, you say, I don't want to spend more than $1,000 a month. And even on, let's say, day 10, the system might come back to you and say, with the, you, your current consumption, you'll get over your forecast, you'll get over your budget. And that allows effectively us to, to, to work and to make sure to work on it and to make sure that on day 11, we do some actions to reduce our cost and go under a budget. So mm-hmm. I, I really like the proactive approach of, of this new budget system. Yep. Yeah, and there's some talk about being able to actually um cap budgets um that's meant to be coming out in a future blog we're looking forward to seeing that aren't we oh yes overspend risk i just wrote an article recently on that is is the biggest problem we have the biggest problem and disconnection between 
tech and finance is that overspend risk. And if you can cap spending and make it more predictable in the cloud, that would be huge for cloud adoption. Exactly. Right. So moving on to Azure again, uh, Azure government now has a pay-as-you-go model. So for those of you that are not um, Azure specialists, they have uh, EAs, CSPs, uh, direct and indirect CSPs, and then pay-as-you-go as the three main engagement models. It has never been easy to move between them, although that is being simplified. But in, in Azure government, they now have a pay-as-you-go model, so it's not just all over EA. And at the same time, they're also... Um, releasing some of the things we've talked about in previous months, like uh, cost management and some of the allocation stuff that you can do in there now. So a lot of those those bits and pieces that have been getting built over time for the kind of showback, chargeback stuff within Azure, which I think is actually coming out of the previous acquisition, has now been put into uh, you know Azure government. Like like all of the clouds, it takes a bit longer to get some of these things in there because they have to pass certain compliance. Uh, state. So anyway, that's now in Azure government. Oh, nice. So next is about a new instance type for bare metal on AWS. So we have the M5N, M5DN, R5N, and R5DN. <clears throat> you notice that the only thing that they all have in common as letters really at the, is the N at the end, which means that they are very network specific. So they allow you to get 100 gig of network bandwidth dedicated because you're buying the bare metal one. And it is made really for when you when you need access directly to the hardware. That's quite rare today, but happens for very for some very specific uh, workload, and or when you need for licensing, when you need to have mm. an exact number of CPUs underneath, <clears throat> and if also if you need a special generation, if you want to benefit and use to the full extent. The Xeon, uh, the, in this case, Cascade Lake capabilities, you want to compile stuff just for that processor, that might be extremely useful to know that you're going to be there and it's not going to move anywhere. Uh, the real use cases of people that are really going to benefit from this might be, for example, the rendering. So if, you, mm. if you're doing some 3D and you need to do some pipeline rendering, or if you're doing some uh, super calculations that you have, optimized algorithm, and it's important to get that 1% uh, efficiency out of it, that's where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. They're certainly not cheap because of the size of the machines, but um, they uh, they give you a lot of whack, don't they? Yep. Right. Finally, um, AWS Control Tower, which is always a, a tool that we thought has a lot of um, potential, but has been very hard to retrofit into your into your estates if you're not starting afresh, um, now allows you um, to extend to um, existing OUs within your org, uh, organizational units. So that is pretty big news. So rather than the, the, the pain of putting them in previously was massive, you pretty much had to start again. Now you can um, now you can pull them in. And more than that, you can also do bulk updates. So, you know, suck them in, and then all at the same time, get them all updated so they're fitting within the, the posture that you want in place in your control tower. So that we think will actually see an uptick in usage if people become aware of that ability to do that. Uh, there's a lot of people who looked at it with quite envious eyes and have struggled to put it in place because of the pain of trying to do that in the first place. So now that should be solved. And I believe 
that is our, our final piece of piece of news and out of the last month um you were going through the lull after reinvent still i think of of new finops related stuff coming out so now we are on the what's new from reinvent and it's just a you know there are always loads and loads of um, announcements made at reinvent and the idea is that steve and i just went through and did some digging and searching for the one we care the most about this is not always related to finops no. this is also related to the angle of see steve is on the sales marketing side of things so he like the names strange <laughs> yeah. names i'm the techie guy so i really like the one millisecond change of things so that's what you're going to hear now yeah so the first one is aws cloud shell uh, it's extremely interesting it's all of a sudden you can from your browser directly connect to the virtual machines you've brought up so you create a virtual machine and instead of having to find your SSH connection and putting in the keys and doing all the, some of the work that was used, usual when you were setting up a virtual machine on AWS, you can now just click on a button, say connect to that machine, you get a shell and it is directly from your browser. So that's absolutely brilliant for me. Nice. For me, I focused on things that either I've spoken to people about things that might fit in, um, or that I just like the names of, like you say. So the first one I'm going to do is the introduction of AWS SaaS Boost, uh, so Software as a Service Boost. It's a preview, so I don't know if people are on the beta, but I like the idea. It's an open source project to help people move things to a software as a service solution platform you know, build. And so it's a step-by-step -step guide that takes people through how to take their current software and put it into a SaaS model. The reason I particularly like this is that I think, uh, you know, consumption-based uh, uh, licensing and, and purchasing for for software is is definitely the way to go at the moment. It's helping people's organisations with the, the flexibility of people and, and requirements. And, you know, I look at how we procure within Strategic Blue and we use that a lot. But also, I'm talking to a couple of people at the moment about moving stuff they're doing into SaaS and maybe using AWS Marketplace. And I think this could be a really easy way of them doing that. So I'm quite interested to see if I can get my hands on it with uh, with some mm -hmm. of our customers. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic because moving mm -hmm. to SaaS was one of the biggest issues I've, I've heard in the last years, which really yeah. is how do I move to that model? So yeah, cool. Exactly. Next on my list is Lambda, and uh, and it is about you can finally use the cont your container image in Lambda. Until now in Lambda, they provided you with the image and you needed, if you needed anything, which was not really standard, you need to install it first and that would take time and it's not really something you have with Lambda. Well, here you can start using your own container images so you can prepare stuff upfront with all the dependency, everything's ready and you use that to run your Lambda functions. That should make it much simpler also more reliable and finally also cheaper, hopefully, because you don't have to wait to download stuff. That was my number two. Absolutely. And for those that are looking into or are already using Lambda, well worth listening to podcast uh, three with uh, with Dario on how to optimize SaaS, as he's, he's a big fan of, uh, of both Lambda and um, cloud functions. functions. Yep. Yeah. Right. My second one. Again, more because I've spoken to people about this kind of thing, but AWS Audit Manager is uh, globally available and um, and offers a free tier, which is one of the reasons I brought it up, because it also has a, a little FinOps thing, allowing people to get to use it quicker. What I really like about this is 
I used to get asked quite a lot when we were developing um, builds and we were a big IAC house in my last role. So infrastructure as code. So everything was getting built by, by code and templates. And we used to run a tool uh, across that to check the compliance of the code that built the infrastructure. And that would help you check that your infrastructure was compliant. AWS Audit Manager is a new service that helps you continuously audit your AWS estate in a, in a quite a simple way. So we're going to have a, a look through this in a bit more detail. And if it's really good, we might go into um, maybe a deep dive at some point via an article. Um, but it automates the collection of the information that allows you to then surface that up to a, an external auditor or an internal auditor to prove that you're gathering the information to, um, to show that you are remaining compliant throughout, um, which I think is is great because for too long, uh, audits have been a point in time thing where it's when the person comes to see you. And yes, they look for some historic stuff, but really it's about that moment they walk in. Um, this will really help people. It also has for us in, in, in the UK and in the EU, it has a pre-built, I believe, GDPR setting and PCI DSS. So if you can switch those on in, in the relevant environments, um, I think you're, you're laughing. You, you've kind of got a tick box in, in that world already, which I think is super. Yes. <clears throat> I'm really curious to see how this will integrate with AWS Config on one side mm -hmm. and the Macy, House, which checks, Hub. Uh, Security Hub. Oh, it's going to be all of a mix and match, but uh, I'm pretty sure, as usual, AWS will make a good work of connecting both things together. Mm. Next on my list, we stay on Lambda, and it is about the one millisecond billing granularity. So we move from 100 millisecond to one millisecond, and that is huge because you're probably going to... We I've seen a blog already where they're showing that they've increased the amount of Lambda, but they divided almost by two, the cost they were paying for it. Because all of a sudden, something, if, you're, if you've done it correctly and you follow Dario's advice, you've warmed up your instances, your, your, your functions. And at that point, it will be immediately, the, the reply might be five milliseconds. Your Lambda function might turn five milliseconds. In the past, you had to pay 20 times that amount because your build was 100 milliseconds. Now it's going to be five milliseconds. That's absolutely brilliant. Should help continue to bring people to functions, which I think is a really uh, nice step forward. Um, to, to it's really the future, and it really is cloud native. And the, the and I was thinking about it recently. The, the smaller you make your entity or your function, the easier potentially it will be to move it also elsewhere to have it in multiple clouds because if the thing just does one very simple stuff it's quite easy to port around mm. um, so i think that's going to help the hybrid cloud and, and the move to multi-cloud that is still very much a chimera but yeah nice following my desire for nice names aws have introduced panorama for computer vision at the edge currently only available in preview in virginia and oregon but the concept is you can run, it's a machine learning appliance that can, well, and an SDK actually, so it can be put on new hardware that gets created. So a bit like Alexa, you'll find where Alexa's now in a load of other products, you'll be able to get uh, Panorama built into cameras. Mm -hmm. And so it can, um, it can be watching 
your inspection tasks and things like that within a factory, the manufacturing, and we'll look for bottlenecks. It will look for errors where maybe quality checks have been uh, incorrect, um, a bit Big Brother-esque. But actually, if you think about where this has probably come from and you think about whether we, we like it or not, probably one of the best kind of automated, robotic, huge scale factory slash warehouse uh, setups is Amazon.com. I imagine they're already using this there and this is how they they handle those things. So you can add it as a device that then you put your cameras into and it will start machine learning and looking for potential improvements or you will be able to actually get cameras that have it built in already. So that is pretty interesting um, for a, you know, industries that are well already in a squeeze. You know, it's very difficult out there at the moment with with what's going on in the global economy. Any kind of improvements you can find in your efficiencies are going to be seen as beneficial. And this might be a tool that helps you do that as long as you can do it in a way that doesn't upset your workers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice. But it, one thing which, which I wanted to go because it reminded me something when I was at the at Reinvent, it was two years ago, it was, it mm. was uh, with human beings in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And we effectively, with the ambassadors, so with the APN ambassadors, it was one of them who created something on his camera that was using recognition to check the plate numbers of people coming into his, uh, his, his house. Uh, and he used that to check how much workers and builders were effectively working compared to their bills. Nice. <laughs> it was quite funny. And he said, I worked really well because I could show him exactly when he arrived and we left. But I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Back in the days when we actually left our homes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the... <laughs> It, it seems to be a bit of a, I remember the deep lens. I don't know whether this is um, how this is involved with the deep lens, whether because if it's only improving in those areas, I imagine it's it's different. But in the deep lens, you could do some really interesting things where you had that kind of small scale camera that you could use to do uh, different bits yeah. and bobs. And, um, you know, we, in my previous role, did a couple of interesting projects with those. Um, I think there was like $300 a pop or something to, to buy. They weren't weren't crazy. I think this is designed to be slightly more large scale um, rather than a single one-off camera. Like an IoT approach. Yeah, exactly. So going back, uh, we are on the very technical things again. So there are uh, EBS general purpose GP3. So that's a new generation of hard disks for virtual machine. And it is very much relevant because all of a sudden the big change is that you can have your performance, you can provision performance independently of storage capacity. What that means is that right now for GP2, if you want to be, you want your hard drive to go faster, you need to get a bigger hard drive. Well, now you can just say, I want the right size and I want the right performance independently. And that is a huge change and it's gonna help reduce storage cost because you mm. pay by the size that is potential, but at the same time, putting your money where you really need it, you might need more performance and less storage. And that's going to be very important. And it's really going to help create, uh, really tailor correctly your uh, capacity uh, to, the, um, uh, to your workload. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, very techy, but yeah. That's nice, <laughs> isn't that? Yeah. Um, right, I've gone for another cool name next, AWS Proton. Um, we discussed this one in, in a bit in depth because we're very interested to see what it really is. AWS Proton is a service 
and they say the first fully managed deployment service for container and service applications. Um, it is also not just doing the um, the deployment. Uh, it says it's also uh, helping with monitoring and updates. So we've talked in the past about you know the the further you move up the of the scale into breaking down your applications into smaller and smaller chunks, the more efficiencies you can gain in terms of cost and also the ease to make changes to individual components without causing a problem to the whole, um, meaning your CICD is a lot easier, but you're managing more smaller things and that can become challenging. This is an answer to that. Um, so it is a platform that allows the um, developers to more easily um, you know, directly deploy code and the rest is somewhat looked after them at a platform level with platform engineers being able to look after that. The thing that we talked about, Frank, was that we think this is probably a bunch of things brought together yes. rather than exactly. something particularly new. Um, so there have been bits that covered all different parts of this. If this has had a nice um, you know, single pane of glass put over the front of it, then that's probably actually a nice thing and it's going to help people start doing this because people have been a bit fearful of how to manage so many moving parts. Um, so it would be really nice to get our hands on and have a look at. And we've got a few ideas of apps we want to build personally, haven't we, which we might be able to, to build in this way where we can actually then look at what Proton does. Um, interestingly, in the article where it's announced, I always like this, whenever um, Amazon Web Services Inc., and Amazon.com NASDAQ company launched suggests that they think this is going to be quite a, an important one for um, for the market. Um, but it doesn't talk anything about costs. So <laughs> is it going to be like those other tools where actually you're paying for the costs of the parts that live underneath it? And so Proton doesn't have a cost because you are pulling in other tools that do. So it, it is that. I'm yeah. just going to AWS Proton pricing, and there is no additional charge for AWS Proton. Yeah, you pay for the saying. AWS resource you created. It, it really seems like a mix. As you see, just by reading the description, so I, I'm talking here out of intuition, but it, it's putting together cloud formations, putting together potentially Elastic Beanstalk, it's putting yeah. together SAM, it's putting together all those exactly. things together, uh, X-Ray, if you are going to check mm -hmm. it. And all of that together into one way, that, that would be absolutely fantastic. As if you, as a solution architect, you can start just building the blocks and, and design all those blocks and have them deployed. And when they're implemented, they just start working. That would be fantastic. That, that would yeah. really, really simplify life for everyone, at least <laughs> for everyone that domain. I understand not everyone is <laughs> yeah. enjoying this kind of thing. Um, Next one, uh, which is my, uh, which is two S3 things together, really. So S3, they've add support for multi-destination bucket for replication. So all of a sudden you can, uh, you can say, I want this S3 bucket to be replicated in multiple places. Uh, this is quite important for when you manage lots of data and you need, for example, to have your production system, which is sends the data or part of the data to a pre-production environment. Uh, it might be because you have data warehouse and different system elaborate data in different ways. You want to have a single source of truth where everything is collected. And then from there, it is distributed, uh, spoken hub approach. So that's one thing which is now available for S3. And the other one is quite big. It is the S3 also is the strong read after write consistency. So as a, as a fast summary is in the past when you are, uh, S3 is so big, 
is so is global when you write something into s3 it is available in, usually immediately for you to read it back but it might not be for example in australia so i'm based in the uk i save things into ireland for example they'll be immediately available into ireland but they might take some while to be available in australia and that was what is called the right uh, it's not inconsistencies yeah you can have different reading of data from different mm. places this is now changed and it is automatic from what i see is that as soon as you write something somewhere it will be automatically available everywhere that is important towards the more s3 is becoming a place where databases that databases are using to extract information from and data lakes that's going to become quite important. You want that if you do a financial report in two places at the same time to have the same numbers. And that's the kind of thing that uh, this allows. And so, oh yeah, you have two left. So enjoy your Well, two blocks. the second one I'm going to mention, but get you to talk about because you know far more <laughs> about it than I do, but it was something FinOps related, so I grabbed it. My next one is uh, introducing AWS IoT EduKit. So we do a lot of work in education. So this one jumped out at me straight away. Um, it is a way of helping um, both engineers, professionals, but also students learn how to use IoT in a structured and simplified way. Um, you can basically buy some uh, some hardware from a company called M5 Stack, who are an AWS partner, which is a reference hardware kit. And that kit includes um, you know, touchscreen and a bunch of sensors that are quite normal in IoT. Um, and there are a, um, a bunch of guides, you know, getting started guides to help you walk through. Um, it has a bunch of different reference um, uh, support, you know, supports a bunch of different uh, languages and frameworks. And it just sounds really interesting. You know, IoT is, is something that people get quite excited about, um, but don't get to really play with. But you can get this stuff to then build straight into some um, basic and simplified uh, SageMaker model uh, products with uh, Autopilot and also link into uh, some uh, Alexa voice stuff. So it's a way of um, of being able to learn a bunch of different oh, services. I'm not sure. Oh, speaking of Alexa, there we go. Um, <laughs> it's a way of learning a bunch of different services um, through AWS in in a kind of a, a controlled or explained process. Um, so I'm quite excited about that. And I'm going to talk to a bunch of our um, education customers. We work with a lot of... Um, a lot of universities and also we're working with um, you know education as a whole because i think this could be really cool i mean yeah. getting your hands on these kind of technologies would be fantastic yeah i need to buy one yeah oh, i think fun. maybe me and you buy one between us and we can both play around with it and, and send it up and down well actually maybe in this world it's a bit harder if we're in the office we could get one for the office and play with it um, yes so what's included in the pack as i was thinking about uh you have the only person in your house which is allowed to run her out is the cat. I know. What can we do mixing IoT and a cat? So at the moment, it's out of stock, but it's $42. So that's not loads at all, is it? Yes. That's um, considering what it can apparently do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, but yeah, I'm here asking for your imagination. What can we do with IoT and a cat? Well, Firstly, I would really like it if we could get my, and you can buy cat flaps that do this already, but I would like my cat flap to check if Sonny has a mouse in his mouth or a bird or a rabbit. And if he does, not let him in. 
that would be super there is some already do that but i would really quite like to try to build that myself which i don't think would be that difficult um uh, yeah that's, that's amazing that's an absolutely fantastic idea we can even commercialize it at the end i'm pretty yeah. sure lots of people will will love well that. there are there are cat flaps to do it already he also has a very different meow if he's got a mouse because his mouth's full so he goes meow like that um and even if it could just hear that and stop him getting in or close a door or something, that would be super. Or just switch the light on as soon as it hears that noise. That would be good enough because I know I'm going to have to go and look for it because it's a very blue job in our household. Uh, I have to go and um, catch the mice, whether they're alive or otherwise. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be what I'd do. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. You should connect it with a, a tip of, uh, you know, the, those light bulbs which can change color so that if there oh, is yeah. a cat, it just <laughs> stop blinking red. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up, you already know. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we, we... Super. So the last one, I'll keep, I'll keep that um, one open so we can keep an eye when they come back in stock. The last one, Frank, which I'll ask you to talk about is that cost and usage reports now available to member or linked accounts, which are the same thing. Um, yes. Yeah, that's new. That's different. They've always been at the the master payer level. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think it's it's extremely it's extremely powerful because this gives more visibility to the person owning the account. So there was always an assumption on AWS that who owns the person owning the master and paying the bill because that's where all the money goes is the one interested in the financial information, and that they oversee everyone underneath. But for example, we work a lot in education, as you said, and lots of time those the above level, the master level is owned by the university or the institution. And then underneath it's each researcher. So being able to provide for each researcher with their own budgets, really, every researcher have, have their own budget, mm. a, a visibility and a clear understanding, an official way to say this is how much you're spending, this is, and creating models about forecasting, etc., is hugely important until now we had to replicate this and create some specific things on a per customer basis uh, per, per account basis in strategic blue for example billing system will take all this at the master and then create for each linked account uh, information and documentation if part of that can be standardized and make it standard through aws like this that that is really really good and smash is one of the big assumptions that everything is enterprise Mm. And uh, and uh, no no you have a kind of education public sector where owner of single accounts might not might have a budget but are not the one paying for it yeah um, and that's the big news and it's really cool fantastic there we go um, right well I think Frank that's has done isn't it so some really yes. interesting things coming out we you can see quite how different we are as people in terms of what we chose. <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm really excited, and maybe if we do get a chance to uh, to build something out with uh, with Sonny's cat flap, we will update people in a few months yeah, <laughs> to see whether it's improved my life quality and my being woken up at three o'clock. <laughs> people are like, I'll oh, wait until you have kids, Steve. I'm like, you wait until you buy a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm pretty sure you can find a way then to adapt that to kids, but no, it's it's a little different. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Hopefully, they won't bring me mice. 
Great stuff. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you next month. If anyone has any topics they'd like us to cover, feel free to um, send them in to us via LinkedIn or uh, via Twitter. And we can uh, make sure we speak about things that people want to hear. Have a fantastic rest of the day, everyone. Thanks. Take care.